I'm going to preach this morning about how to change things for the better. How to resolve and determine to change to do better. Sometimes knowing better is one thing, doing better is another. I used to hear folks say, well, if people knew better, they would do better. I'm not so sure about that. Because those are two completely different things. To know better is one thing. To do better is another. And it takes activity and action to do better. Just knowing better, you can try to be passive about that. But to do better, you got to be active. And you got to have some determination and got to have some resolve. How many of you have gone through periods of transition and change? Oh, yeah, life's kind of like that, isn't it? I know Brother Ford is trying to adapt, you know, to not having a, a person that was his wife 72 years. <laughs> that deserves a head clap. And that takes some adaptation, and it takes some change. And I want to tell you, sometimes change is painful. And sometimes change hurts. And sometimes change is disruptive. Sometimes we just kind of shirk away from change because we just don't want to. And we know we need to, and we know it's best to do that, but we know that God is more pleased with us if we could change if we could make those adaptations and adjustments in our walk with him and adjust our conversation and adjust our consecration, our devotion, all of those things that go along with relationship with God, if we could just tune those sometimes and, and be ready to make those moves as God directs us and as God leads us. But sometimes that's difficult and sometimes that's painful. Let's read in Genesis chapter 21 verse 4 through 14, and uh, talk about a man named Abraham. The Bible calls him the father of all the faithful. The Bible said he was faithful to God, and he walked by faith, and God accounted it unto him for righteousness because he believed God. Believed God. That's not to say that everything was easy with Abraham, and that's not to say that Abraham always made good choices. It's not to say that Abraham always listened to the advice and counsel of uh, good people and sometimes he listened to bad counsel. Sometimes he listened to himself and did things in the flesh. Amen. But the Bible called him the friend of God. Wow, a friend of God. Yet he had all of these problems. We know that he was originally a, a shepherd, a Bedouin shepherd. And he was from Ur of the Chaldees when God called him. Now, the whole Bible is a revelation of the person of God. God has chosen the written word of God to reveal himself unto us. And the Pentateuchal materials, which is the first five books of the Old Testament, uh, give us a picture of a, a, a creator God, a God who is a judging God, a God who sends a flood upon the earth and who does all of these, these things in the first uh, 11 chapters. And then we come in chapter 11 to verse 12 to where God said, 
to a man named Abraham, get thee out of thy country and go to a land that I will show you. Now, here he was, and he had a, had a beautiful wife whose name was Sarai at the moment. God eventually changed her name to Sarah, Sarah. And when he went to her and he said, we're, we're moving. She said, where are we going? And he said, I don't know. And she said, well, how long are we going to stay there? She, he said, I don't know. Well, how are we going to live when we get there? I don't know that either. Well, why are we moving? And he said, God said to. So I'm going to a place that it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to get up and go. It's not logical. It's not rational. But God said for me, to, have you ever felt like God asked you to do something that didn't make a whole lot of sense? Uh, how many of you have uh, done some things for God that folks kind of laughed at you? Uh, how many of you have done some things for God that uh, you, uh, you tried to explain it and it was awkward and it, it didn't come out right like you wanted it to and, and it sounded kind of dumb to do something like that? Uh, it's at those moments that I have my hardest time with God when I'm, I'm trying to do those things that... that uh, uh, judgmental people would cast a, a, a bad uh, direction at you. But uh, to, to, to obey God fully and to understand why God wants you to, you'll never understand why God does what he does. You'll never understand because his ways are above our ways and his, his way is past finding out, the Bible said. So there's ne never going to be a time when I fully understand what God wants me to do until I stand before him. And then this glass that I look through darkly will be removed and I'll be able, the Bible said, then to know and fully know and face-to-face -face know. Amen. I'm looking forward to that time. Aren't you? I'm looking forward to that answer to that question, why? And I'm looking forward to getting that answer to that question, what if, you know. And so many times we, we look back at situations and we're able to see the hand of God in a situation that we, we thought that he wasn't in. But once we get through it, anybody been through anything? Once we get through it and we look back and we see how God kind of maneuvered things through those situations, we say, thank you, God. But to thank God in the middle of a situation. Hey, a guy told me one time, he said, I am the world's worst. No, he said, I'm the world's best at getting into situations. I'm the world's worst at getting out of situations. Yeah, I understand. Been there and done that, haven't you? Amen. Sometimes it's so easy to get into a situation and get stuck get stuck you can't in can't get out you don't want to make the changes that the corrections that are needed to get you out but you sure don't like to go back and you're not fully in and you're not fully out so you're just stuck and I wonder how many people in their walk with God are stuck Somewhere between in and out. They never are ready to get all in because it hurts too much. 
and it's too much disruption. And they never can make that, get that courage and that resolve and that determination to correct the things, the mistakes. Anybody make mistakes? Anybody make mistakes that have lasting consequences? And quit pointing at that person sitting beside you. Mistakes are common to all of us. We all make them. And sometimes our blunders and our mistakes are of such enormous, destructive ability that it causes us to live our whole life bonded to a mistake. Well, let me tell you about a mistake that was made with Abraham. God gave him a promise, and he said, Whithersoever thou goest and set your foot, I'll give it to you. I'm going to multiply your, your children and your children's children, your seed to the uh, ends of the earth. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless people that bless you, and I'll curse people that curse you. I'm going to smile upon you, and I'm going to be a God to you, and I'm going to, going to walk with you, and we're going to have a great relationship, and you're going to be the father of many nations and the father of all faithful, and because in you, all of the earth is going to be blessed because of you and because I have chosen to bless you. Wow, what a promise. Well, God sent him on his way, and he got on his way and he got to a place called Haran, H-A-R-A-N, Haran. I call it halfway Haran because that's a good place to get stuck. And you know what happened to him? He got stuck in Haran. He didn't want to go back to Ur of the Chaldees, but he didn't want to make the adjustments that are going into Canaan. And he stayed there and and God said, don't take anybody with you, but he picked up a nephew there named Lot and said, well, you know, God sometimes is not serious about our relationships, and he won't mind somebody kin to me going, so Lot, why don't you just come on too? Amen. So they finally decided they'd get on down to where God wanted them to be. And so they, after so long a time, they, they made it to Canaan. Amen. Canaan is the place where God said go. Brother, Canaan's going to be great. Canaan's going to be wonderful. Man, I'm going to get rich. God's going to supply needs. We're going to party. And buddy, Canaan's going to be wonderful. But the Bible said when he got there, there was a great famine. Have you ever worked so hard to get to a place that when you finally got there, it wasn't what you thought? And it wasn't what you, what you had concocted in your mind and, and suddenly you were mad at yourself and said, why did I do this? So he started looking around. When you get stuck, sometimes you go to looking around. When you're not all in, but you're not really all out either, you're just kind of stuck in the middle and kind of bonded to a situation and, you know, situations that bond, get bonded to, they last a long time. It's hard to get free from something that you're bonded to. Amen. And the Bible says they left Canaan and went down into Egypt. 
And when he went down into Egypt, they had food down there and things went well. And, but on the way down there, he got to imagining and he got to thinking and th thought, he said, you know, Sarah's a beautiful woman and uh, I'm, I'm kind of an old geezer. And what they'll do is they'll kill me and marry her. So I better tell them when we get down there that she's my sister and not my wife. And so lo and behold, when he got down to Egypt, he told, tells Abimelech, the king down there, he says, uh, this lady right here is my sister. And he said, boy, she's good looking. He said, I tell you what, he said, I'd like to make her uh, second in command around here, uh, another next to Pharaoh. I'd like to make her the, the, the queen and let her be, I'd like to marry her, in other words. And God saw that Abraham was about to mess up the promise. Now, some of you think that God doesn't really care about you messing with the promise. But God really cares about you messing with the promise, especially when you're messing it up. So God caused Abimelech to have a dream, and he saw God. And God said to him, he said, I'm going to kill you. Now, how would you like to have a nightmare like that? Oh, Lord, what have I done? What have I done? Abimelech said. said, you're messing with my promise. said, I've got a plan for Abraham. And said, Sarah is to be the, the mother of a blessed nation. And I've got plans here, and you're messing with my plan. We believe God is that involved and that critically involved in plans that he has for us. And, and he said, you're messing it up. And I'm, he said, oh, Lord, please know, I did not know that she was his wife. He told me a lie. He told me that she was his sister. Oh, God, because of the integrity of my heart, please, God, I never meant any harm in this. I wouldn't mess with your plan for nothing. If you just won't kill me, I'll straighten this up in the morning. And he goes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, you get your lying self out of my country and don't you ever come back no more. And take your sister with you. But the Bible said that she picked up a little handmaid and said, Honey, you're a sweet little girl, and it's nice having you around. And uh, I get lonely sometimes when Abraham's out fooling with those sheep and everything, and having somebody to talk to is really nice. And uh, I need a maid anyway. How about you just coming along with us when we leave Egypt and uh, we'd love to just kind of make you one of the family kind of persons and, and we'd just love to have you one of us. Strange how we pick up things, isn't it? So the Bible said Hagar went with them. Now the promise was God said you're going to have a, a, a son. And you know the story when the Angels came and they, they said, about this time next year, you're going to have a baby. And the Bible said she was hiding behind the curtain of the tent and she laughed. 
And he said, and name him Isaac because you laughed. Well, it would be good if that was the whole story. But before the promise was given, Hagar got discouraged, impatient, fault-finding, critical, angry, and she said, God said he would do this, but he hasn't done it, and I don't really think he will. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of believing. I'm tired of hanging in on and acting like today may be the day, going to church every Sunday, and all I hear is, God is faithful, God answers prayer, God is awesome. Well, he's not awesome for me. He hasn't done anything for me. I've been looking for this promise that he made to me. I'm, I'm 90 years old here now, and I'm supposed to be having a baby. Sounds to me like God needs some help, she said. Hagar, have you ever heard of a surrogate mother? Why don't we talk about that a little bit? Why won't we just let you be the surrogate mother? If God's not going to do it through me, let's help him out a little bit. Don't mess with God's promise. Don't mess with God's plan. And the Bible said she gave birth to a little baby and God said, call his name Ishmael. Ishmael. Ishmael then represents to all of us what was done in the flesh. What wasn't done in the spirit was done in the flesh. It wasn't done with God's consent. It wasn't done with God's uh, intellect. It wasn't done, done with God's will or God's purpose or God's plan. It was foreign to all of those things. It was what she wanted and what she felt like she could do to make it happen, not what God. When we're left to our own ingenuity, we always have serious consequences because that decision, look at it now. Look at the world that's in turmoil now. Look at all that's going on. And much of that is because they picked up a handmaid whose name was Hagar and brought her with them. Now we've got a a son that was conceived in the flesh, and now the angels come and says, about this time you're going to have a baby. So now then we've got the real deal, and God came through, and the promise proved to be true, and God kept his word. Whoa, now what are we going to do? I've got a mistake in my past. Now that God has come through and answered prayer and God has kept his word, God's kept his promise, and I'm not what I used to be, and I've changed now, and I've had this baby, and now what in the world are we going to do now? We've got a problem on our hands. We've got my mistake in the past that has caused so much disruption and so much pain. How can I correct my mistake? How can I fix this? Woo, let's read it. Genesis chapter 21, verse 4, And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, 
as God had commanded him. Whoo. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. Sounds like a celebrative time, doesn't it? Sounds like a wonderful, wonderful time. Baby's been born. Eight days old, and he says, I do with him according to the law. I'm going to circumcise him on the eighth day. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. God hath made me to laugh, and all that hear about this will laugh with me. What an incredible thing. Do you have a laughable blessing to report today? Has God ever done something so great for you, so marvelous and so wonderful for you? Is there a blessing you can think of that is so great that it made people wonder and laugh? Wow, I can't believe that. Anybody ever had that? Anybody ever had an incredible blessing that was so powerful and so awesome that it was laughable. I can't believe it. Boy, I've had a lot of unbelievable things happen in my life. A lot of incredibly unbelievable things that God has done. Wow. Makes me want to shout, Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus! You are worthy of all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Wow. What a wonderful God. We're laughing now. Fixing our mistakes. Correcting our mistakes. We can look back over our life and see a lot of times when we, like Hagar, made mistakes and some bad choices, bad decisions. And now then we just, rather than correct them and deal with them, we'd rather just go on and try to live with it. But everywhere in our, our mind, every time we, we sleep, that nightmare of regret and that nightmare of what, what happened and what was said and what, what transpired and what went down and just because it's too hurtful and too painful to mingle with or try to fix or correct, let's just live with it. And living with it becomes so paralyzing. And you get in that prison, stuck. The situation is too hurtful and disruptive to get into and it's too painful to correct it. So you're just stuck in that prison of your problem. It's the people like you that I've come today to say the answer is in the saving grace and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ who forgives all our trespasses. That if we confess our sin, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We say it so many times. He's right for whatever is wrong in your life. Whatever mistake, whatever sin, whatever shortcoming, there's a place in God that you can get 
We used to sing it years ago, he forgives and he forgets. He forgives and he forgets. You know, so many times people want to remind God as if God needs to be reminded. God, you remember when I was so frustrated. You remember when I was so down and out. You know when I was addicted. You know when I, you remember. God said, no, I don't remember that. Uh, you don't remember that. What do you mean you don't remember? Oh, I threw that in the sea of forgetfulness a long time ago. As far removed as darkness is from light in the sea of God's forgetfulness, that's good enough for me. Praise God, my sin is gone. They're underneath the blood of the cross of Calvary. Hallelujah. God dealt with my sin. God dealt with my mistakes and all my shortcomings and all my mess-ups. Come on, somebody. Amen. The way you correct those things is you, you confess your sin. Amen. Say, yes, I did wrong. I own it. I should have done better. I should have thought better. I, I made a bad decision. And in Jesus' name right now, I confess that was wrong. I did wrong. I did wrong. And that's the first step. Ego will keep you from doing the corrective thing you need to do to get on with the rest of your life. You can sit and soak and sour over something that happened 30 years ago and be, be the poorest disciple of Jesus. The poorest disciple. Amen. But there's a place in God that you can reach that you can be the happiest of all disciples. Be the happiest of all disciples. Well, listen, let's read it and see what happened. He grew. He circumcised them, and the child grew, verse 8, and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. Now, evidently, there's some time that's elapsed right here. We've got this great event of the birth, and he's eight days old, and he is circumcised. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. Praise God. Boy, that's a miracle, isn't it? Thank God for it. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast that same day that Isaac was weaned. All is well. We're having a party. Thanks be to God, the baby's doing good, gaining weight, beautiful, nothing wrong, everything fine. Praise God, let's, let's, let's party. Glory to God, look what God has done. God kept his word. God kept his promise. All is well. It is well with my soul. Oh, yeah, everything's great. Everything's going well. But I, I don't know if you would like this home and this situation very much. The Bible said, verse 9, And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, and he was mocking Isaac. Sarah saw the son of Hagar. Didn't call him the son of Abraham. He's no longer Abraham's son. Now that God has fulfilled the promise and I've got the real thing, 
then my mistake can't live in this house no more. My mistake has got to be dealt with. My mistake is causing me a lot of pain and the promise is suffering. I refuse to let the promise grow up in a home where he is laughed at and mocked and made fun of. I won't allow an unbeliever to laugh at and mock my promise. I won't allow my promise from God, my, my blessing from God. I'll, I'll fight off the adversaries. I'll fight off the unbelief. I'll fight off every, everything that is against my promise and my blessing. I'll fight against it because I won't let it laugh at and mock my blessing from God. Come on, somebody. Wherefore, verse 10, that wherefore is that, hey, you know what? I wouldn't want to live in that house either. Would you, Don? Two women? Two women that didn't like each other? And two children? And one husband? Woo. I would hate to be scheduling those appointments, wouldn't you? You get him on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I get him on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. Boy, I wouldn't want to live in, in, in that house. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Mm. Something's got to happen here. Something's got to give. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be an heir with my son. Boy, we got a one mad woman. And poor old Abraham, she goes to Abraham and says, You've got to fix my mistake. You've got to fix this kid in our house. That kid's got to go. I saw him just the other day at the party. He was making fun of Isaac. I won't have that, Abraham. I'm not going to stand for that. Now, you know I've tried my best to work with things, but I, I've had it up to here. No more of that stuff. That kid's got to go, and you take that woman and get her out of here too. Why ain't y'all shouting? <laughs> now, I, I hate to say if that had been me. I'd have said, woman, you shut your mouth. You are the very one that started this whole mess. You are the one that found you an, a woman and brought her with us out of Egypt. You're the one that came to me and said to me, let's work this plan I've got. Don't you come here with that mess about fix your problem. This is all you're doing. It's all your mess. You're talking about a fight. Me and that woman would have had a fight. You chicken man, you better say amen. 
bunch of chickens. It's what they are, ain't it, Charles? Bunch of chickens. You better say, me too, preacher. I've been mad at her too. Wow, talk about a fight. That would have been one of them when, when we got to call a law. But they didn't call the law. But God came down. <laughs> Nobody called 911, but here comes God. And when God came down, mm, then things began to change. Cast this bondwoman and her son out of here. And the thing was very grievous. Look at 11. Very, very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. See, what she didn't realize was Abraham loved Ishmael. He was his son. You know, there's a saying in, in real estate. Uh, some folks that I, I've known over the years, some here, some in other places, in real estate, that they've got a term that they, they'll say to when they've got investors doing things and working with them, they'll say, uh, have you got any skin to put in the game? You know what that means? Have you got any skin to put in the game? In other words, if you've got some skin in the game, you're not out to run off. If you've got some skin in the game, you're not likely to quit. If you've got something invested in the situation, then you're not out to walk off and leave it. Come on, somebody. This eighth day here with Abraham, when he took Isaac on the eighth day and circumcised him. Circumcision is a sign of covenant. It's not covenant, but it is a sign of covenant. And for all of y'all in this house that don't know, it hurts. It's painful. It's bloody. But there has to be that cutting away of the flesh. And in God's eyes, that spiritual, he calls it the circumcision of the heart. That's where you cut away all of the fleshly things and the spiritual remains. Come on, somebody. That means that you, you cut away what is not beneficial and blessed to you. You cut that away. That is of the flesh, the unnecessary part of the flesh, and that is cut away. And it's a painful, it's a hurtful thing. Amen. But it is a sign of covenant. You see, the problem with Sarah is she didn't have any skin in the... That was her problem. She didn't have any skin. She didn't have any investment in the thing. When God came down, he said, listen to Sarah. What? God, God, me and hers just had a knockdown, drag on, blood on the wall fight. 
Thank God you came in here because one of us wouldn't be standing right now if you had become God. And God said, listen to Sarah and send the bondwoman away. Oh, but that's my son. I love my son. I, I care about my son. That's my, my family. God, you're telling me that I need to listen to Sarah and I need to, is fixing it, is correcting it by casting it away as in circumcision? And God said, let the bondwoman go. What God was saying was, I'll take care of the bondwoman. I'll take care of your son. I'm going to make of him a great nation. I'm going to make him a father of many, many peoples. Many, many people. I'm going to bless him and I'm going to have my hand upon him. Don't worry about Hagar and don't worry about Ishmael. I will handle that mistake. All that you tried to do in the flesh, all that was wrong, all that was hurtful, all that was disruptive, all that was ill and evil, I'll take care of all of that, God said. Leave that to me. And you just cast her away and cast Ishmael with her. The Bible said when he awoke the next morning, he took a bottle of water and he took some bread and he gave it to Hagar and sent them into the wilderness. Well, after the water was gone and after the bread had been eaten, it wasn't much. Pastor, if Abraham loved her, her and, and loved his son, and cared about them, why did he send them into the wilderness with so little food to eat and so little water to drink into a desert? Why would God do that? Why would Abraham do that? The reason he did that is he trusted what God said he would do. God said, I'll take care of her. I'll take care of him. Some of you parents need to be listening this morning. When God says, I'll take care of him, I'll take care of her, then you need to let, let God take care of them. Some of you have children this morning that you need to do what Abraham did when he said God said he'd take care of them. God said he would handle the problem. God said he would take care of all the fleshly things that we've done that weren't pleasing. He'll take care of that. He'll forgive it. He'll, he'll put, put, place his blood upon it. He'll, he'll do the, the, the godly thing and make people uh, new creatures in Christ. He'll do the salvation thing and he'll, he'll make people to, uh, to old things pass away and all things become new. He'll fix it. God can fix it, but you've got to trust God with it. You've got to turn it loose. When you send it into the wilderness, you've got to say, God, I'm giving this to you. I'm turning this over to you. Amen. For me to go back and try to undo and, and rearrange, that, that's, that's all folly. I can, I, let me just give it to you, God. 
Let me just put it in your hands. Let me just let you have all of my faults, all my failures, all my mistakes, all my shortcomings. Lord, help me just to bag them all up and just give them to you and say, here it is, God. Here it is. You can have it all. And trust that God will take care of every bit of it. God said to Abraham, let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. Thy bondwoman. Yeah, when you get to a certain place, you are bonded to the bondwoman. In all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken to her voice. For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a great nation because he is thy seed. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, took bread and a bottle of water, gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child, and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Bathsheba. And the Bible said she sat down, put the child in a distance there, and she took the water and the bread, and it was all gone. And she sat down, and she began to talk to God. That same God that found her when she ran away. She could take no more of Sarah's meanness, no more of Sarah's attitude and her hatred and her animosity for her. And she ran away. But the Bible said an angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, go back. Go back. Go back. In Galatians, the Bible talks to us about our spiritual heritage. Come on, Olivia. Our spiritual heritage. In Galatians 4 and 31, the Bible, So then, brethren, we are not the children of the bondwoman, but we're the children of the free. We're not children of the fleshly activity and the fleshly error and the fleshly things we're not the children of that bondwoman but we're the children of Sarah we're the children of Abraham we're the children of the blessing of God Galatians chapter 4 and 30 nevertheless what saith the scripture cast out the bondwoman and her son for the son of the bondwoman shall not be an heir with the son of the free woman and then in Galatians 4 23 but he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. By promise. Could I tell you today that you're redeemed by promise? Could I tell you that you're saved today by promise of God? Could I tell you that you are who you are today in God because of the promise of God? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Our great God gave a promise to all the children of Abraham. There will come a time when Messiah will come. The anointed one, the Christ, will come. Praise the Lord. And that promise was fulfilled, praise the Lord, in Bethlehem's manger. When the angels caroled, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
hallelujah, that a Savior was born unto us, not a philosopher, not a philanthropist, but a Savior, a Savior who saves from sin, a Savior who corrects all of our mistakes, a Savior who forgives all of our trespasses, a Savior who is promised, I will go away, but I will come again and I will receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. And by that promise we live today. We refuse to be the children of the bondwoman, for we are the children of the, of the free woman, and we are the people of God by promise. Stand with me, please. If you're watching today and there are things in your life that you wish you could rearrange, you wish you could do different, if there are things that haunt you to this day and, and depress you and frustrate you, if there are deeds nor activities and things of that nature or relationships, whatever, that they still seem to drain you spiritually, frustrate you, I want to tell you there's a place you can reach in God that the peace of God will be yours. That peace about all of that, peace about all of those trans, all of those mistakes, all of those errors, even though they be as great as what Hagar and Sarah did. Even as the, if they're as altering, life-altering as what Sarah did. I want to tell you, God, if you'll put it in his hands, if you'll release that, amen, if you'll like the circumcision is a symbol of put away the flesh, put away those unnecessary things, and cleave to the things that remain. Cleave to the things that are necessary. God will make you have peace that passes all understanding. God will give you a joy that is unspeakable, that's full of glory. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, I, I, I know of people that struggle with just what I've preached about today, about turning loose of things, letting things go that drain you spiritually. Let things go that drag you down and, and attack you at your point of your faith. Uh, get rid of those things. Clean out that closet. Get rid of that uh, old wreck sitting around somewhere. Get rid of that. Get rid of that. And you know what? You can do that this quick. It's a decision. I said it's a decision. And when you decide in your heart, I'm not going to be that way anymore. I'm not going to let that relationship intimidate me. I'm not going to let that that deal that, that went down, all that was said, all that, I'm not going to let that stuff pull any more energy out of me. I'll not spend another night tossing and turning about what she said, he said, la, 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 blab, blab, blab. Praise God. I'm going to seek to please him who has called me to be a soldier. I'm going to seek to please the Lord who gives me peace, who gives me joy, who gives me forgiveness. And in his grace and in his presence and in his love and in his care, praise God, I am safe from all alarm. Are you safe in Jesus today? Do you have peace in Jesus? I said, do you have peace in Jesus? Do you have peace in Jesus? If you couldn't say yes, I need you to pray with me before you go today because I don't want you to leave here without peace. How do I receive peace, Brother Jerry? Ask. Ask, ask. Jesus said, if you ask anything, can you say anything? anything. 
If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Well, that's a good promise, Brother Jerry. Well, let me tell you what else it is. It's a door you can walk through. And if you'll walk through that door and, and be, put some action on, you, you see, God can't be your Jehovah Jireh until you decide that you're going to change and correct some of your actions. Jehovah Jireh is the name of God, my provider. And some of you want him to keep on providing and pouring in, and you keep leaking it all out. You spend it faster than he can pour it in. And come over here and say, he's my Jehovah Jireh, he's my provider. My Lord, he'd pour more blood. He's too much of a good businessman to keep pouring a good investment into a bad. But if you'll adjust some of and correct some of your stuff that needs to be changed, come on, somebody. He's also a good enough businessman to pour into good investments. Praise God. Amen. If you want him to be your Jehovah Jireh, you provide something for God to put those blessings in. A lot of folks can't hold a blessing. I said, can't hold a blessing. God wants to bless you. God wants to touch you. God wants to meet your need, answer your prayers. And he can only do that when you cooperate and you work with him. Amen. God, in Jesus' name, I thank you for every person in this house today. I thank you for people, oh Lord, that have rejoiced in the fact that your promise is, is faithful and that your promise is true that your word is true. You meant what you said when you said, cast all of our care upon you. And Lord, you've given us great and exceeding promises and we thank you for every one of those. Help us to walk worthy of the vocation we're called. Help us, God, to carry out in our, our lives and in our relationships and in our job and our family. God, there are so many people that are fallen that can't get up. They've changed their job, they've changed their dress, they've changed their hair and they still can't get up. I pray, God, this morning that they would get up and get walking in the path of righteousness. Get to walking, oh, Lord, in the walk of God, walk of fellowship, walking in the light as he is in the light. Help them, Lord, to do that, that they'll find peace, peace and rest and joy. May this day be the best day, oh, Lord, in a long time for many in this congregation, that they'll leave here, oh, Lord, with joy in their heart, well, this is the first day of the rest of our life and we're going to live it for the Lord and we're going to live it victoriously and we're going to be happy and we're going to have peace. In Jesus' name, amen. And everybody said amen. 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 You shake hands and be friendly. God bless you. Good to have you in church with us today.